Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning. Good morning, gardeners. Wow. Um, Another seven days, probably minimum of greater than 105. This is a new record that nobody wanted to set, and it doesn't look to improve. Now, the only saving grace here is the Earth is orbiting the sun, and as it goes around, we are going to start receiving less and less direct sunlight over the U.S. That is how we move into fall and winter and Australians on the other side of the globe, they're the ones who are going to start enjoying their their summer when it would be our fall. So, simply by orbital mechanics, we are sooner or later going to have less heat. Now, how long is that going to take? That is the billion-dollar question which also happens to be pretty close to the winning amount if you uh, play Mega Millions and win. Um, It is just weirdness in terms of the temperatures we're dealing with. It is terrible. It is unbearable. It is miserable. Now, so what do we do? Well, I'm not sure. I'm... um, I'm letting plants die. I can't provide them water. I can barely keep my desired specimen plants growing, the ones that would be a serious loss, at least to me, and keeping my bird bass full. Other than that, it's, um, I'm hoping that the plants especially my natives, they're looking pretty good. Mountain laurels are doing okay. Um, Texas uh, sages, they're doing okay. They're lying to me. I'm not particularly happy about that. I need to go out and talk to them. But they are blooming like crazy, which is usually a indicator we're going to get rain. I I surely do not see rain anywhere. But I'll take the blooms. They're very, very attractive. My um, loquats are hanging in there. Um, They're pretty tough, and they should continue to do okay. But um, there's plenty of plants where I'm just going to give up on them. If I really want them, I can get a new one. If they can't handle this kind of weather, I'm not sure I want them. It's a terrible situation. I know that most of us are trying to go, we want um, we want a certain environment. Doesn't always, uh, nature doesn't always follow our lead, you know? So right now, it is too hot to be outside. Yeah, I'm sorry. I There is nothing that you need to do outside, 
Okay. I doubt you're having to mow. I, that's the only saving grace I know. I, was, I don't have to mow my property. Um, my garden, well, I'm able to keep some peppers going, but my tomatoes, nah, not even going to bother. This week, last week, excuse me, my wife started new tomato seeds, and they've already popped up. They're under the um, sun lamps. And they're growing, and they should be about the perfect size to put in the ground once our temperatures are better. Okay? So when we get there and they're ready to put in, I'll get a couple of uh, bags of a good quality compost or maybe soil conditioner, and we're going to work it into the soil and plant for fall tomatoes. They should do very well. But in the meantime, I am only making sure that my peppers are getting water. They are actually producing the occasional pepper, nice, big, beautiful red bells. And they wouldn't normally do that under these conditions. So I'm really trying to keep them going because they've been so strong that I can't wait to see what happens in the fall when we get the cooler temperatures. Can only hope for the same, that they'll just continue and keep going. Oh yeah, I got a text here. This is gonna be common. Okra has this weird ability that's not in every plant. We normally think of nectar, right, inside the flower. Nectar for uh, okra, they actually have these little glands on the outside bottom of the okra. So ants love it. They run up there, they get nectar, they run down. And sometimes they'll bore into the the okra spear, and you're like, well, you just ruined that for me. Thanks. What you can do, there are um, two possible baits that you can safely use. If it's fire ants doing this damage, it's the come and get it product. It's a bait, they eat it, they take it to the queen, and she dies. If it is things like raspberry or crazy ants or just sugar ants, taro makes a little container that you can put at the base of the plant, and it will help keep them from going to the top. does the same thing. It's a bait. They eat it, they take it to the queen, everybody dies. It is, it is because of how the okra grows with its, um, ex, I think they're called extrafoliary um, nectars. So that's what you're going to get. And you may see an increase in things like wasps on it because they'll be looking for that food too. 
but your okra should still keep going. And with one of the two ant baits, you should still be able to uh, save and harvest plenty of okra. Doesn't take many okra plants to have a lot of okra. Try those ant baits and see if that doesn't reduce reduce the damage you're getting to your okra plants. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Listen, we were just talking about ants and okra. And in this heat, you'll have to remember, just like plants, just like the wildlife, many pests from scorpions to ants, the pill bugs, they desperately are looking for water also. So if you have spots that are staying damp, uh, you may want to look at them carefully. First off, you don't want any dripping. That's just wasted water. And second, that water will be a attraction for those insects. That means that's a good place to use the safe baits to get rid of them so they're not around anymore. They are they are not what you want to have around. Now, the next question was that I had been mentioning, I started seeds for the fall garden. I've got tomatoes starting by seed inside under a light. They are not going anywhere near these temperatures if I can help it. So when would you transplant tomatoes in the ground. Well, fortunately, at this time of the year, you can get away with putting them in at just about any time. That doesn't mean they're going to be happy about it. But it's not like in the spring where you want to put them out in the garden, but there's the risk of frost or freeze. And that'll kill the tomatoes. So, I'm starting my seeds now and hoping to see a transplantable size tomato around Labor Day. When will I put it in the ground? I'm not picking a date. I'm going to work and see what the temperatures are. It is not unusual to have 100 degree days in September. And if I can keep my tomatoes growing inside and they're not causing me a problem and it's 100 degrees outside, guess what? I'm going to keep them inside. I'm going to give them the best start that I can. As the temperatures start to back off, I'll think about putting them outside. And remember, it is not the high temperature for the day that is the problem. It is the low temperature for the night. Tomatoes just won't produce worth a darn when that temperature is above about 
72 to 74 degrees. And we're running 80 at night. So when it gets to be almost September, I'm hoping the daytime temperatures are less. But if they're not, and the nighttime temperatures are 70 or below, I will be thinking about putting in those tomatoes and letting them get a start. Now, you could put them in and let them grow. Just understand they may not be producing yet. Uh, I know people, a lot of people that cut their tomatoes back instead of starting new ones. The tomatoes are still out there. They're still growing. We're taking care of them. But they really won't be producing until we get to those cooler temperatures. So hopefully those nighttime temperatures will drop off as quick as possible. No guarantees. No guarantees. You know, uh, September can be full of 100-degree days. That's um, not what we're hoping for, but that may be what we wind up with. So you can put them in now if you can protect them and make sure they get the water they need and they will grow, but they're not going to probably produce for quite a while yet. So I'm just deciding to give mine the best start I can by keeping them inside, letting them grow up to be a nice big plant. And I'll put them out later in the year. Like I said, probably when the temperatures start dropping off. When is that going to be? Who knows? I mean, maybe never. Like I said, because of the unique thing of orbital mechanics and the fact that our planet has seasons, at some point, the temperatures are going to have to drop off. The question will be how much they drop off. Hopefully, not to wind up with the freeze-pocalypse we had the other year. We just want a normal season. And... I'm sorry, I don't see us ever having what we would have considered a normal season ever again. I moved here uh, in 85, and gardening was no big thing. We didn't really worry about either rain or temperatures, and uh, it hasn't been the same since, and it's not going to be the same. It's not going to. We're looking at higher and higher temperatures. And over the last 30 years, we've tracked them and we know that they've changed. We have measured them. If you look at a 1990 uh, agricultural map that shows you um, what zone Travis County and Williamson County were in, and you look at the 2005 new one, we are now in warmer zones. And that's measuring temperatures over 30 years. So 
we don't know what we're going to wind up with. And it is very scary. And I don't know what's worse, these temperatures or the incredible lack of rain, the, the, what seems to be more drought than flood. We're having to become better gardeners, better farmers. We have to make better choices with our landscapes. There are, pl- I have plenty of landscape right now that looks fantastic. I don't give it any supplemental watering. I don't water my crepe myrtles. I don't water um, my mountain laurels, my Texas sages. Uh, I have silverberry. I don't water those plants and they look great. They would like some water, but I don't have any to give them. So those are the things we're dealing with. Maybe we need to pick plants that aren't so desperate for the water and can do really, really well. Now, when you are sitting inside, staying out of this heat, which I hope you are, I hope you are, it's 9.30 in the morning and the temperatures um, were already in the uh, feel like 88 and 9.30 in the morning. That's tough. While you're inside, think about your landscape. Think about the plants that are troublemakers, the ones that require lots of maintenance, lots of attention. And think about ones that you could replace with that don't have to be, they don't have to be um, replaced today. But when the cool weather comes, we need to make some really honest assessments as to whether or not we want to continue these plants. It'll be easier on you, your landscape, the amount of water you need, if you start considering the more native plants that don't have these terrible requirements for water and integrate them into your landscape. There are beautiful, beautiful Texas plants that don't need a lot of water. My Blackfoot daisy is exploding out in a ditch, and I guarantee you, I didn't water it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a break for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Matt. Matt, what can I help you with? Good, good morning. Uh, I have a plum tree that's about five years old. And it won't bloom. I've not got a single plum off of it. Um, what do you suggest? I've taken care of it, watered it when needed, and 
and thought I like I do, but it's in around the peach archers. But it is a variety. I don't know specifically, but it it's supposed to be self pollinating, and it doesn't need a a, par, a partner to make plums, but it won't make any. It's only five years old. That doesn't. That's kind of a lame excuse, but it needs um, a bit of maturity to be able to start producing plums. Now, did you get any blooms on it this year? No. That means it didn't get the temperatures that it was supposed to get. Uh, It needs a certain number of chill hours to be able to trigger to go, okay, I can make blooms now and produce fruit. Do you know what it needs for chill hours or what variety it is? I can't tell you that, but I did check when I bought my peaches the same way. And in the last five years, we've had some pretty cold winters. So um, that's why I'm surprised that they didn't give enough chill hours any of those five years. Maybe it wasn't old enough okay. earlier, but now. Well, it's kind of it's kind of weird how a chill hour is measured. A chill hour is when the temperature is between 32 and 45. More than 45, no chill hours. Less than 32, no chill hours. It's this sweet spot in the temperature. So if we had a winter where we went right to 20 and stayed there a real long time and then warm up to 45, there's no guarantee that that will produce any blooms. So you may have it for the right environment and it just hasn't hit it yet. And a five-year tree, you know, normally we would tell you you need five years for it to do any serious fruit production. This one may still be growing up, for lack of a better term. You need to watch what happens this winter. Hopefully we will get good chill hours instead of simply freeze everything to death and see what happens in the spring that you get you get the blooms that you're looking for. I know that I put in uh, plums, and it took them a really long time to finally start producing them. As a matter of fact, this year I got a seven-year-old plum, maybe older, and for the first time it bloomed well and produced plums, which was wow. a waste of time because the squirrels came and ate them. So... Well, thank you. I didn't realize that it took that long, and I didn't really interpret the chill hour that critical in that that bracket. So <clears throat> maybe there's there's hope. Just comment on the tomato situation too. I I tried to save some, and I couldn't find a place where they if I could give them any sunlight. Uh, I had them in five gallon buckets, and I, they were cooking because even though I tried to take them out and put them in the shade. Uh, that you commented earlier, an earlier show, the temperature of the pot when it's getting direct sunlight on the side, you're you're boiling the roots. So anyway, uh, yep. maybe they're selling transplants, you know, two or three inch 
I have some two or three inch clam transplants that I bought, but I'm trying to nurse them along uh, by giving them maybe five or six hours of sunlight and then move them to the shade. Is that, uh, does that sound reasonable? Yes, it does. Now, <clears throat> they do need light, okay? Yes. I'm not setting them outside at all. I happen to have a grow light, an LED grow light, and it works really well. So I'm keeping them inside out of this kind of heat. But if you're going to take them outside early morning when it's hopefully as cool as it can be, and then get them to the shade before it gets really hot in the afternoon. So they'll grow. They will continue to grow, but don't expect fruit till we get much cooler. Okay, that that's what I'm doing. I'm early morning, and then by noon, I'm I'm putting them in the basically <clears throat> bottles, a little bit of sun coming to the trees, but mostly shade. So uh, I guess that's the best I can do. See what happens. Yep. Yep, and okay. and it's going to be an interesting fall for this exact reason. We're doing the best we can do. We just don't know when this is ever going to end. Right. Any particular comment about fertilizer for a plum tree, about the same as a peach? Yes, they're, they're actually in a similar family. They're both stone fruits, and you can probably use uh, whatever you're using on your peaches on your plums. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for the call. The temperature is just such a critical problem. Uh, someone texted, what was the bell pepper, the red bell pepper that I planted? Uh, Big Bertha is the name of it. And my early spring peppers would compete with anything you would find in the grocery store. Six inches long, more than four inches in diameter, thick walls, bright red. They looked great. Now, in this heat, they're not quite that big. And uh, sun scald is becoming a problem. I don't have a big enough canopy on them. I didn't get enough leaf on them to keep going. So the sun was able to get to the fruit and scald it, sunburn it, basically. And as a result, the peppers, well, I'm probably going to cut a lot off and throw them away because they'll be mushy. And I, I'm sorry, I don't like mushy peppers. I need something better than that. Okay, those of you with bird baths, I got a text for this. And you say you're getting algae in your bird bath. You're, you need to change the water every day. Once a week, take a scrubby out there and scrub the bird bath to get the muck out of it that is growing to it. Rinse it out and put fresh water in every day. That's the only way you're going to stay ahead of the algae. The birds want the water. You see where birds will drink water from the ugliest, nastiest, muddiest ditch because they need the water. So dump the water out first thing in the morning and put in fresh. And at least once a week, 
scrub it because you're going to start getting algae in it if you don't. But don't constantly just put more water in there. Dump it out and put in fresh, at least daily. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, We're up against a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Hot day. Not getting any better. Okay, now we have a common theme here, too. Lots of people are texting and asking about this those little burrs in the grass that are so painful and pointy and stick to you and your dog and everything. Not the little dark ones that are about the size of a grain of rice. I'm talking the round one with spikes all over it. That's called Sencris. It is a grass. It is an annual and it grows this time of the year. How do you deal with it? Number one, Sankris likes terrible soil. So the healthier your turf, the healthier the soil, the less problems you will have with it. Number two, you want to learn what it looks like so you can pull it out. It's an annual weed. You can get rid of it before it becomes too much of a problem. It will respond well to pre-emergence. The use of corn gluten at the right time of the year can prevent the seeds from germinating. This is not a one season problem, okay? But you can beat them back between the corn gluten applied at the right times of the year and digging them out, mowing with the bag on and tossing the grass into the garbage can so that you are getting as many of those seeds gone as possible. It is terrible. Walking on my property, we have to stop at the front door and take our shoes off and take all of these little buggers out of the bottom of my shoes. It is, they're terrible. That's, that's being as nice as we can. Corn gluten can help prevent that from happening. You would apply corn gluten in the fall, sometime mid-September to mid-October. When the temperatures start cooling and the rain starts falling, that's when these seeds are going to try to germinate. Corn gluten will not affect a plant that is already growing. Now, in the spring, sometime around the end of February through the middle of March, is when you would apply corn gluten to get those early spring weeds from coming up. Technically, yes. You could apply corn gluten every month. You'll not harm your turf. Anything that's already growing will not be bothered by it. 
And corn gluten is a good fertilizer, but it gets to be expensive that way. Okay, that is probably the worst problem to deal with is the cost of keeping them down and getting control. But the trick is, once you get control, you don't have to work so hard to keep them out. Now, these are the most horrid things, really really hate them. You can't easily get rid of them. They can quickly overwhelm a piece of property if you're not taking care of them. And weather conditions and poor soil can really promote their growth. So keep that in mind. This fall, get out the pre-emergence. Mow now, if you're mowing at all, I'm not. My grass, I mowed it a month ago and it's not grown since then. Um, Mow it with the bag on so you can collect all of those seed heads with their spikes and dump it in the trash. That is one way to start reducing how many of these burrs you get. Corn gluten prevents them from germinating. Mowing prevents them from spreading. A healthy yard creates poor conditions that they don't want to grow in. It is a multi-step process that you're not going to be a fan of. So wish I had better news, but I don't. I'm dealing with them too right now. I know people that uh, we had gone a couple of years where every day when we came outside and we saw one, we used those surveyor flags. And then we would come back when it was cooler in the morning and literally dig it out. And we did a pretty good job. We rarely had one in our backyard. Now they're everywhere and we're having to deal with it because we took a break from treating them. That's how it goes. Uh, I wish that it was something easier to take care of this, but there really isn't. You can't just spray something because it'll affect any turf that you still have growing. And remember, just because your turf is brown doesn't mean it's dead. It can be dormant. And you don't want to take a chance and kill it under those conditions. Rick, I see you there. Um, I'm up against a news break at the top of the hour. Uh, I'll catch you on the other side, folks. This is Gardening Naturally. We will uh, be back after the news.